Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling of the Minneapolis Star Tribune here in TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings just wrapped two joint practices against the talkative Tennessee Titans for alliterate, alliterative purposes. Yes, talkative. Um, I'm trying to think what other words would tenacious tenacious <laughs> for a nice word i don't know yeah either way it was a different style than what the vikings <laughs> certainly titans yeah that's a good one um yeah uh, that's uh, jeffrey simmons their a pro bowl defensive tackle had a lot to say to anybody in earshot apparently including justin jefferson yes uh which he i'd miss said some words that we will not say on this <laughs> podcast but uh yes there was a, a couple of lively exchanges between the two pro bowlers i feel like you don't need to give Justin Jefferson any more motivation. No. Yeah. No, generally not, but you know that that Pro Bowl dodgeball game in 2024 could have uh <laughs> could be some revenge heading into that. That's true. They're not on each other's schedules unless they meet in the Super Bowl. Um yes. <laughs> which probably won't happen. Uh but anyway, the Vikings will talk about the work they got in with these two teams. Um it was yeah, it was a great test for the offensive line for the Vikings, great test for the Titans secondary, which ranked last place in the NFL last year in passing yards allowed. Um we'll get into some developments uh in terms of who got hurt, who was out there, uh talk about some position battles and then Saturday's preseason game coming up against the Titans. And we haven't talked to you guys since the last preseason game against the Seahawks. So there's some players that are rising, falling um, and then certainly some guys who have a lot to show in these next couple preseason games. And then we've also got your questions that we will get to um, all in a tight window here. Ben, we should start with the development of an already thin secondary, uh, losing Makai Blackman, the third-round rookie, to an apparent – it looked like they were tending to his left shoulder uh, in the middle of the field in a really a weird makeshift trainer's tent, which was yeah. just – like three pads leaning on each other. Yep, the one that uh, Traylon Burks <laughs> ended up in yesterday, I believe. Oh. They got to get. That. I feel like they can afford more. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> I mean, I suppose they're not going to take them into the building. I, they could, yeah. but maybe not for joint practices. Not quite the same thing. But a thinned Vikings uh, secondary that's already starting some inexperienced guys loses Blackman in today's Thursday's practice. Um, we did see Jawan Williams come back in and, and take his place, the veteran that signed over from New England. And then late in the practice, Caleb Evans gets shaken up. He seems to be fine, but he goes down hard to the point where Kevin O'Connell came over and like pulled him off yep. the field, yep. was the one who made the call there. And it wasn't Andrew Booth who went in to replace uh, Evans there on that last play of practice. It was Tay Gowan. And to me, that struck me as Booth – getting a timeout a little bit because the yes. play before he made a uh, – or the series before, he made a good interception, as Brian Flores said, a good play on the ball there in the end zone. But then he stands up, lets the emotions get the best of him, and hucks the ball at the Titans' sideline in what seemed like one move. Like he caught it, turned around as if he knew what he was going to do the entire time and just yeah. just chucked it right at the Titans' sideline. Uh, this was one of the youngest players in the draft in 2022. He's still very young, obviously. Um, but – it was a good play combined with kind of a boneheaded move, and they were down to Tay Gowan, uh, uh, Byron Murphy, and Jawan Williams at corner at the very end of practice. Yeah, I think it was the last play, and yeah. whether or not that was the reason it was the last play, I don't know, but they might have said, let's get out of here before anything else happens. Uh, Andrew Booth basically said afterwards, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, you know, he said the Titans were talking, as we heard, through two days of practices, and he said, when I get mine, I wanted to let them know. 
and he certainly did by firing a missile over their heads uh, at the end of practice. But yeah, I think that was probably the reason he didn't end up getting in for that last play. Uh, Caleb Evans kind of staggered on his way back up. We'll have to see what the aftermath of that is in terms of um, if he goes in the concussion protocol again. I mean, that was my initial concern. I, you know, the fact that he came off seemed to be okay. Maybe he avoided that. But when Kevin O'Connell, I mean, he was about to go back into the huddle. And Kevin O'Connell kind of comes out and basically says, no, let's err on the side of caution here and kind of takes him out at that point. So, um, yeah, it's not an ideal thing there. Makai Blackman will see Brian Flores said afterwards he got dinged up a little bit. And, you know, if it's a shoulder sprain, we'll see what it was. It looked like that might have been the possibility there. But um, that may not be a long-term thing. But, yeah, you don't have a ton of depth in that spot to be losing guys even for minor reasons, especially when they probably still want to see those players work in the preseason a little bit to get a sense of what they are and what they're going to be during the year. Yeah, Makai played in that Seattle preseason opener. Um, Got a little taste of the NFL when Drew Locke looked off Jay Warren threw a touchdown on Blackman's guy uh, in that one. Yeah, Blackman's absolutely somebody who probably would have been playing Saturday if he had not gotten hurt today. Um yeah, we should mention, too, that uh, another rookie, Jaquail and Roy, came back to practice today. I got to talk to him afterward. He said he'll be playing Saturday and then full go next week. So that's a defensive tackle who is looked good before he got injured and, and uh, somebody could earn some rotational role in the regular season if he continues on that trajectory. Uh, but really what the Vikings wanted to find out, as, as we heard from their brass and their coaches and players, was how this offensive line was going to hold up against the Titans' front that is pretty good. It's got Harold Landry, who had double-digit sacks two years ago, was injured last year. It's got Jeffrey Simmons, who's a two-time Pro Bowler defensive tackle. And it's also got just some physical, uh, and as some Vikings linemen called it, dirty players. <laughs> um, the one guy who got thrown out, I talked to Ed Ingram after practice today. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name who got thrown out, but it was a nose tackle for the Titans. And Ingram said that guy was doing stuff all week in terms of punching people in the face, mask, hands to the face, doing dirty stuff. Obviously, the war of words was going back and forth, you know, but they brought a different temperature to practice that the offensive line had to deal with. And I know coaches were really interested to see how they held up. And the first day, at least from what I saw, wasn't too great. The offense had a hard time operating both first and second team. Uh, The defensive line was getting a lot of penetration. They were blowing up, especially the run plays. They were Madison had no room. Um, today, uh, Ingram told me we came out pissed off. Uh, we wanted to be more aggressive. We felt, you know, that first day kind of got under our skin a little bit. And you could tell that Kirk had a little bit more time in that two minute drill. He just marched right down the field. Yeah. And there was a couple moments at the end there that with Simmons specifically, I think there was one play he ended up matched up on Garrett Bradbury and Bradbury held up well against him. And that, I think is noteworthy given both what we saw yesterday and what we saw at the end of the season with Dexter Lawrence. So doesn't mean that everything's fixed and that part of the line doesn't mean that those matchups are not going to be a problem going into the season. But the last sort of impression of Garrett Bradbury against Jeffrey Simmons was a positive for the Vikings in that regard. Yeah, it was. And Garrett, you know, I got to talk to him a little bit too after both days and uh, he felt the same that you know today was was a step in the right direction for the offensive line. He didn't want to get into the the jawing too much. He certainly had his own opinions off the record, but 
Um, I, I think that this line is it's interesting, Ben, because we know that they are not the type who's going to instigate. Right. Yeah, it's um, not really that type of group. Yeah, and so it's like, is it good that they need to get kind of jabbed to get going a little bit, or would you rather have them, you know, aggressive right off the top? But um, it, it's it's one that we're after Wednesday's practice. Kevin O'Connell did say, "I felt like the protection was good, not as bad as it looked," kind of thing. Um, it you know, as it seems sometimes, I think he used the word leakage here and there in their protection. So it's going to be a, t- a storyline. It's going to be a topic, especially when you got Vita Vea week one, you got uh, Jalen Carter and the Eagles week two, five days later. Um, it- it's going to be a continued topic. There's throughout a Bosa here. week three. That's, That's right. Different yeah. thing, not an interior, but it is the Chargers week three. It's right? Chargers week three. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a continued topic because Kevin O'Connell has talked about, um, you know, different ways to help their protections and, and different ways that this offense, even coming in last year, how their new playbook could kind of set this offensive lineup better. And I think they've learned a little bit more from this group and how they could further try to scheme things up this year. But it's the same group. It's the same starting five. You need development from Ed Ingram. That's the big thing, right? You need him to take a big step forward. And Ingram said after today, he said, coaches have been telling me I've been elevating my game and have been taking those correct steps even though he admitted faults in that preseason opener, including a free runner right up the middle to Nick Mullins against the Seahawks. There's still those teaching moments, things that they're working through, but um, it's one that the Titans certainly were equipped to expose at times in these two joint practices uh, in that we were able to get a glimpse of what it looked like against what was actually the NFL's number one run defense last year. Um, That too stood out with Alexander Madison not having a ton of room uh, although today, when a Titans player got ejected, it was one of the defensive linemen we were talking about. Uh, he, it was for throwing a punch at Bradbury when Bradbury took him to the ground on one of those running plays, uh, which you just didn't see the day before. So this was a much better day from the offensive line in general. Um, and Christian Derisaw, uh said as much, too, afterward, and saying that we like to let our play do the talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you could tell by the end of it that the, you know, it this tends to go this way by the end of day two of these things, but you could tell there was um, enough of what the Titans had said that has had kind of gotten under the Vikings' skin to the point where they weren't terribly shy about um, talking back or throwing balls over the sideline's head or you know, whatever they were going to do. Um, they they kind of made it clear they had been provoked to the point where they did not want to stay silent anymore and and none of this stuff really matters that much but it does give you a little bit of a window into how the team operates in, in some of these situations there may be games that have this sort of a feel this year and, and I think Kevin O'Connell is hoping especially offensively for this to be a team with a little more tenacity this year than it had perhaps last year um, I think they certainly want to do some things in the run game that would track along those lines and I think it's part of the reason the Titans were his first call to schedule a joint practice because they wanted to test against this type of a group so maybe some of the things he was hoping to get out of them or bring out of them happened and and maybe this will be something that they can kind of build on going forward yeah we should mention too that the Vikings offense was shorthanded Jordan Addison did not participate in either of these practices due to concussion light concussion symptoms as O'Connell called it 
uh, picked up in Monday's walkthrough. It was a walkthrough practice on Monday, and he did not get out there Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, O'Connell did say the earliest Addison can return is Monday, so he will not be playing in Saturday's preseason game. Uh, nor will TJ Hawkinson, who has not been practicing since he said earlier this week that he's dealing with an ear infection that has been messing with his equilibrium. He has been out since August 3rd, so this is going on two weeks, if not more. Um, it's interesting. Um, I'd like to take TJ's word for it, but TJ is also in the middle of a contract negotiation that overshadows any kind of health update that's not obvious, with, which like with an ear infection, it's not really obvious. And Ben, I guess I feel more comfortable bringing this publicly in our conversations because O'Connell has said multiple times, I would like to see him out there. Yeah, yeah. You wonder if there's, I mean, I don't know, two weeks for an ear infection seems a little bit. It's precarious. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> antibiotics tend to work pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, a little eardrop. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think how many times my kids have had ear infections. It's not been terribly often, but um, yeah, I, I think they're usually resolved within two weeks. So it's certainly one of those things that just kind of makes you go, okay, um, we'll see how it shakes out. And today, the but, only development was he stood there. Normally, he would go through warm-ups, a little bit of tight end drills, and then he left. Today, the only development was he then stood and watched red zone passing drills, but didn't participate. He just stood there and watched because at first everyone's like, oh, is this like a step in toward participating? And nope, he just stood there and watched and then went inside afterward. Um, so we have not gotten a chance to talk to him except for the one day he, he stayed on the practice field long enough to be there when reporters were there at the door as he was leaving. So we have not gotten any update on him uh, since, I think it was Monday we talked to him about the yeah. ear infection. Um, so either just, just a situation to watch. And when we talked to him on Monday, he said, my focus is on getting ready for September 10th. Mm -hmm. He said, I want to be out there with the guys. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, but my focus, cause we asked him, do you, do you want to get out there for these joint practices? And he just said, my focus is on the regular season. Yep. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Sometimes contracts get done the day before the opener. <laughs> yeah. So it will be interesting for a guy who could absolutely command north of $14 million a year, which five different tight ends do. Um, he's in that echelon, certainly. Uh, and the Vikings threw to him last year as if he were in that echelon. Um, so yeah, we got Addison covered, Hawkinson covered. Um, we did get to see Tristan Jackson, wide receiver, come back, a guy who's battling for a roster spot. And with Jalen Naylor being out as long as he has – Tristan might have earned a spot um, by playing the way he has. He caught a, a drill-winning touchdown yeah. with the second team today. Heck of a toe tap. Yeah, and afterward, Tristan said, I knew it was a touchdown before the play because I was reading zone and kind of walked through it. He's just a very cerebral player who mm -hmm. physically seems to have it, at least the talent, enough to, to compete at this level. And he actually got first-team reps with Jalen uh, Rager today because Addison's been out. So they're trying to mix in these wide receiver threes without Addison and figure out who it is. Is it Naylor? Is it Powell? Is it Jackson? Um, and, and Naylor is the one who hasn't been in there, had a good start to camp, haven't seen him since. And he's had a wrap on his left yeah. calf. It would seem to be – they called it a tricky injury, but won't say what it is. So Calves can be tricky. <laughs> presumably that's that. Uh, they also called it a lower leg soft muscle injury, soft tissue injury, which means – the only what? soft tissue <laughs> below else? your knee yeah, is your calf. Um, so when we do all this kind of uh, you know, Da Vinci Code detective work, figure out what it is. So he's got plantar fasciitis, but you would not have a wrap on your calf for that. Yeah. That's not really a 
it's I mean it's it's fascia. It's not really soft tissue, I suppose, in quite the same way. So yeah. somebody will uh who is more of a orthopedist or sports medicine person can well actually me on that if you want. Um but yeah, I would think a calf is a reasonably good bet on that one. And Jackson uh, was more forthcoming. He said he had the right. He went down with that right knee injury that was scary. He got carted off. He thought his season was done. I did too. <laughs> yeah, he said it was just a, bu- a bruise around his uh, tendons in his right knee. Nothing was torn. Um, yeah, he said he was just thankful that he could get back out there as soon as he did, and he needs to to earn that roster spot. Because I guess just an open question to you: when you look at this roster receivers seems to be one of the biggest question marks of who's getting in on those final spots. Uh, what other kind of positions seem to be up for grabs? Well, I mean, I was going to say that for the questions we have about the cornerback depth, I would kind of go the other way with the receivers. I I think that group has done a lot of good things. Jalen Rager, I think, has had a much better camp and had a good preseason game, had a ball today that would have been a touchdown – it would have been a really tough catch to make kind of adjusting to it over your shoulder, you know, kind of directly over your head from a deep ball from Kirk Cousins. Great throw, great route from Rager. Didn't make the catch, but has looked good throughout camp, has looked good in the preseason game last week, and, and I think has done a lot to um, assuage some of the questions about him. I don't know completely because I know they, they had a lot of questions on – details with him that I can't say I've seen closely enough in practice to say if if he has done that I'm, I'm not breaking down film of him every day to say if all of the minutiae that I know they want to see from him has been resolved but what we've seen on the field has certainly looked better I think Tristan Jackson has looked good when we've seen him look good again today um, Lucky Jackson got smoked in the end zone got right back in there and caught a touchdown on the next play um yeah, a couple of scary hits towards the end of this one today. But Brandon Powell's had some nice moments, I think. Um, you know, and you know what you have in the top three, assuming Jordan Addison is A healthy and B capable of producing in the regular season like we have seen him do in training camp and snippets of it, I guess, in the in the game against Seattle last week too. So that group I think is interesting to watch in part because the depth seems to be there. Um on the flip side of that. We mentioned the corners. Um, I think the running backs are also worth watching because Alexander Madison certainly looks like he's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to be the number one back, but what happens with the number two? We have not seen Kene Wongwu in a while, and they brought in Kareem Hunt for a workout. I think the fact that you know that happened when it did is you could probably draw some inferences between those in terms of bringing in Hunt for a workout and, and Wongwu not being out there. Ty Chandler... Had a good start to the preseason last week, but do you want him to be the number two? Do you want somebody else? Uh, do you want a third option there? I think he makes the team, but what else do you need in that spot? So it is. Uh, I think that group is is worth watching. Um, feel good about the tight end depth if T.J. Hawkinson is out there. Wide receiver depth certainly. Running backs are a question. Corners are a question. And then you know the front seven. There's a lot to figure out, but. I think overall the corners and the running backs would be the big depth questions I'd have at this point. And then they started, as we entered like the second week of Wang Wu being out, they started training Dwayne McBride on kickoff returns. Yep, yep. Which was interesting. Yes, yeah. It I, didn't go well. No, it did not. It, no, it did, definitely did not. But um, 
the fact that they are doing that, yeah. I think, is you should pay attention to those things if you are wondering what's going to happen with that group. As Mike Zimmer used to say, you can't make the club in the tub. You cannot. <laughs> you got to be out there on the field, can't be injured in that vein. Brian Osamoa did not participate in any of these joint practices, didn't play in Seattle, uh, was held out the, pra- the night practice before that as well in the walkthrough. So Ivan Pace, the undrafted rookie, has been getting all of the attention and first-team reps for Osamoa. And I found it interesting that Kevin O'Connell came out yesterday on Wednesday and said, you know, I've talked to Pace and said, you're not only competing for a roster spot, you're competing for playing time, basically to have a role right away. Um, could we see Osamoa get usurped because he's been out? Uh, I don't know if they would start an undrafted rookie week one. It would certainly be a, a sub a sub package role, even if it's a starting role in the run defense. It certainly probably wouldn't be in the nickel or dimes that Flores has. Um, but if they like this kid enough on rundowns and Osamoa just hasn't been on the field to show them, I would be very intrigued to see if we see a flip in the depth chart there um, but we need to see Osamoa get back and participate. Otherwise, it's just going to be handed to whoever's healthy. Yeah, it is. And I, I think this defense is going to afford more roles to players like Ivan Pace, even if he's not starting. We are going to see, I think, more defenders with roles that give them you know, 15 snaps a game, You know, maybe less than that even, 10 to 12, let's say. But... You're going to see, I think, a little more of that specialty-type work for a lot of these guys this year. So playing time, as Kevin O'Connell phrases it, can probably mean a lot of different things. I I think the fact that they have put him there, certainly I I think they're very high on him. I I would be a little surprised if Brian Osamoa is healthy, if they play Ivan Pace over him, but... We need to see him get healthy. It's, I mean, really, we're less than two weeks from roster cuts now. So not that Osamoa is going to get cut, but you do have to make decisions about the rest of your roster based on the idea of can we afford to get rid of somebody we would use instead of him. And those deliberations are certainly happening elsewhere in this building as we speak. I would, yeah, I would find it interesting too. You mentioned the sub package roles. Maybe they find a way to use both pace and and Osamoa in different runs slash passing downs. But one guy's got to start in your base defense. Yep, and that has been Ivan Pace for two weeks. Yeah, that's almost. true. Um, and and a guy who's been getting rave reviews. He wore the communication uh, headset in Seattle uh, and got another strong review from O'Connell on how he handled that. I believe the phrase O'Connell to use was gold stars all around for, <laughs> I, for Ivan Pace, um, you know, teaching the, the rookie like a true student. Um, They're going to say uh, sounding like a true coach of millennials slash Gen Z. Or a guy with, with four gold kids. stars. Four yeah, kids. that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, the four kids thing may be part of it too. Um, anyway, let's get to some questions here quick. We did We're have, both millennials slash Gen Z, so it's friendly fire. We, uh, we got one from Jeff who wants to know. He wants us to predict the starting three down defensive linemen. That was a deep cut. Mm. When, when they're in base, so far it has been Tonga, the yep. nose, and it has been Dean, Phillips. Dean Lowry and Harrison Phillips. Yep. They have moved Harrison back out to kind of more of the three-tech or D-tackle, whatever shade they call it. Mm-hmm. And they have kept the big guy, Tonga. Yes. I think he's like the second heaviest guy on the roster. 
he seems to get most of those downs as the zero, like right over center. Yes. Um, which has been a development we've seen since OTAs in the spring. He's remained there. Uh, he was one of the only few guys with a probably a prominent starting role who played in Seattle. I don't know if you call him a starter, but he did play in Seattle, right? Yeah, I think because that was my lead note on our draconian West Coast deadlines of yeah. the guys that didn't play. And I think the standard I was using was are you listed as a first string on the depth chart? So by that standard, gotcha. yes. I had him in the list of players who were starters that played in the game. It was a very short list. It was, I think, Ed Ingram on offense and him and um, – trying to think who else was on defense. Uh, Bynum. Yep, Cam Bynum and then uh, bl- uh, uh, one Evans. of the corners. Evans. Yep, Evans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, um, I, it certainly seems like he's going to be a big part of that group and – it's really interesting with this this whole thing, the sort of uh, popular opinion on players or the way they've been used in the past or whatever um, equity they've built up. And there's not a ton of guys on this defense that have been around long enough to get a ton of that, but it doesn't seem like it matters that much. I mean, Brian Flores is sort of taking a little bit of the, if I like what you've done since I've been here in the last, six months and I see a fit for you, I'm not that worried about whether your body type is the conventional thing for this spot or whether your history in the NFL is better than somebody else's. It's if I think you can play based on what I've seen and we'll see how it goes, but it certainly seems like it's trending that way where it's not as much of a well-established pecking order as we might assume with a lot of coaches and a lot of these players. A 2022 first-round pick is the fourth safety. Yeah, that's that's a prominent example of this. Yeah, and he's been buried on the depth chart. Um, 2022 second-round pick has been behind the fourth-round pick and this year's second-round pick and Jawan Williams, the guy they brought in on yeah. a one-year contract. That gets into this next question. William wants to know, how do you see the corner room stacking up on the depth chart? Twitter is full of sensationalism and makes it sound like Booth is going to get buried at the bottom. But, Ben, we don't try to sensationalize here. That sounds like what – I mean, obviously we've both seen it. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, even though the coaches do keep talking about his potential and, and his room to grow and how much he has grown – um, and we see the interception at the end of today's practice. Then we see the boneheaded move of throwing the ball at the sideline. Um, you know, you see, I think Brian Flores used the phrase today, some ups and some downs. Yep. Like a lot of people. Yep. Yep. And I, I think you saw it in Seattle too, the, the play in man coverage yeah. where he gets beat for a touchdown, looked like gets, gets beat off the line and then kind of had a slow turn. I mean, almost kind of made a center field turn in man coverage and um, didn't make it terribly quickly and gets beat gets out of phase pretty quickly because of that. Um, at least that was my amateur defensive back coach <laughs> read on the thing. Um, asked O'Connell about it afterwards. He said, we kind of want the true man coverage reps in some of these preseason games where it's not being disguised or dressed up with safety help or um, helped out with a blitz that makes the quarterback hold the ball longer. We need to see sometimes, can you go cover and you know, in that particular instance, it didn't look great for him. And we've had some instances of plays he's made that have looked good throughout training camp. And certainly, the interception today was a nice play to get there. But yeah, I I think right now 
I don't know that I would put him ahead of Blackman or Evans. Now, both of those guys went off with injuries today. Um, Andrew Booth has had his own injury history. So if you want to get nervous about something, maybe it's that. But I think right now, uh, assuming those things are not terribly major with Blackman and Evans, I would still put those guys ahead of him. Now, it's hard to know in terms of ranking these guys, if you went one, two, three, four, five, who's on, who's, you know, in what order, but when Blackman went down, Jawan Williams was the one who came in. However, Jawan Williams was also the one practicing left corner yeah. the entire time. while as he competed with Blackman for that role, I do wonder if Evans went down, if it wouldn't have been Booth. Yeah. Over we've seen Williams. Booth more on the right side. Yeah. So I, I just do wonder if they play sides a little bit more in terms of who goes in for who, if they don't have that much of a difference on, who they trust in those spots. But from what we've heard behind the scenes, they do think Jawan Williams can be a player in this system, in this scheme. They bring him over from New England, six foot two. He's he brings the length that really no other corner but a Caleb Evans has yep. in this group. Um I, I think Jawan's making the team. And I think Booth's making the team, obviously. It's just a matter of how does that pecking order fall? And then at safety, they're going to keep four at least. Do you keep five with Theo Jackson, who's also been getting all of uh, the praise from coaches, has been very versatile. Yep. He's been like the backup slot at times with their safety stuff. Um, I think Najee Thompson, too, has a great chance to make the team just because of the special yeah. teams work. So you keep 11 DBs if you go six, which we've seen the Vikings do under Zimmer. You go six corners, five safeties. Do you do that because they'll play so much nickel and dime? Yeah, possibly. And then maybe you take one from the inside linebacker spot. If I mean Quank is already on IR, um, is Troy does Troy Die get cut? I yeah, I think that's a, a good question. I, yeah, I could see that. It's yeah. not a guy that this regime drafted. Yeah, so, so I just think there's the numbers game. There's going to get interesting in terms of how that secondary stacks up, how Flores intends to use them. Certainly, where he wants the depth. Uh, and so forth. But beyond Murphy and Evans, which is crazy with Evans because like he wasn't considered this bona fide starter going into the no. spring. He's just never given up a rep when healthy. Yes. Yeah, I, I think they have – I mean, I, I talked to Durante Jones, the, D, the DB coach, a couple of weeks ago about Evans, and I asked what has gotten him to this point. The first thing out of his mouth was consistency. He just said, I know what I'm going to – if I know what I'm going to get from a guy – it's easier for me to just kind of count on where I can put him and, and what we're going to be able to do with him. So some of that, I think, has helped his case to this point. And if he's able to stay healthy, I think it may help him win the job. Uh, we got a question from VG here. Wants to know, lots of hype during camp. I'm excited to compete to win the division, but just looked at the schedule again. It's no cakewalk. Can the couple of games different from the rest of the division based on last year's record – make or break the season. And obviously he's talking about the games the Vikings have against the reigning division champion Eagles, Niners, and Bengals. Correct. In which the Lions get to face the second place of all three of those divisions, Packers third place, and so forth. Um, yeah, I would say there's a big drop-off from facing the Eagles versus the – well, maybe – yeah, yeah, even the Cowboys. I'd say there's a big drop-off from the uh, Niners, Niners to the Seahawks. That's a – almost a bigger one i think and then uh Bengals to ravens i believe yes um another potentially big drop off well the ravens might be on the come up again but either way like then who's third in the afc north it would have been steelers, with the steelers? browns so, were in the cellar so the steelers the packers go to pittsburgh yeah 
and then the Packers would get the Giants and the I can't remember if the Rams or the Cardinals were third. Probably the Rams, right? Rams, yep. Yep. Um Yeah, that may make a difference. I you know, I if you're assuming that it's Vikings Lions, I certainly think it makes a difference. If you think the Packers are gonna be in the mix and that question is entirely tied up in whether Jordan Love is any good, I think there's a big difference from first to third as well. So, um, yeah, it's a tough year with those matchups because you're going to have to go to Philly um, and you have to go to Cincinnati. I mean, you're playing two teams that have played in Super Bowls in the last two years, and the 49ers have been a perpetual, well, I mean, they've been an NFC finalist (laughs) how many times in the last decade, Um, either with the regime in the in the Jim Harbaugh years or recently and more applicably with Kyle Shanahan. Um, the three teams are not only reigning division winners that the Vikings have to face. They were three finalists last year. Yes. And the defending champions come here week five. Yeah, so <laughs> that's right. Everybody in the division has to face Pat Mahomes this year, but uh, the Vikings get him week five at home. Um, the, the other part of the question was, you know, or can we just, do the division wins, you know, is that enough to put it over the top? And I think the margin for, is going to be so thin in the in the North this year that it could absolutely make a difference because what are you going to bank on going 6-0? and Well, I mean, let's think of it this way. You play the four teams that were in conference championship games last mm-hmm. year. If you lose all four of those, you're going to probably have to go 10-3 and the rest of the way to win the division or 9-3. You know, four at worst to do it and that is going to mean you can't drop many division games in the process of that so yeah I do think it makes a difference now being in a conference championship game a year ago does not mean that you're going to be a standout this year but you're talking about three of those teams have quarterbacks who I think are going to put them right back in it again and the fourth one the 49ers may be as stable and sound of an organization as you'll find in the NFL. So it's not one of those things where you look at any of those four teams and say, oh, they're due for a drop-off. So you have to figure all four of those games are going to be difficult, which then means you're either going to have to beat one or two of those teams, You know, probably the – let's see, you only play one of those at – well, you get the Chiefs at home – Bengals are on the road. Eagles are on the road. 49ers are at home. So you get two of those games at home. But you're going to have to take, I think, at least one of those, maybe two, to give yourself any margin for error to win the division. Or hope the Lions just lion. They lo- yeah, they, they could. They lion all over the place, and they just keep lining all all fall. Yes, that's <laughs> always a possibility. Assume the Lions are going to lion until you see an example of non-lioning, which don't really exist much in our lifetimes. If the, Yeah, if the water level is, is low enough, then maybe you can lose all four of those and still get a division title. Uh, two straight for Kevin O'Connell's Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we, the first time since 08 09, I wow. believe. Call up, call up Favre. Maybe. <laughs> on that I don't note, go to that one very much anymore. On that note, yeah, he's, he's problemat- problematic. Um, on that note, we will wrap up this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com.